Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. And you know what got me started? What made sure my voice got out there? It was Anchor. And why did I choose Anchor to host my podcast? Well, easy. It was free. And they have all these amazing tools built right into the app. So it's really easy to get started and get your voice out there. And the best part, they make sure to distribute your podcast everywhere it needs to go. Like Apple, Google, Spotify, and so much more. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Listening to Musings of Modern Muslims with Freeney. Episode 8 In the Newsroom. I don't really like surprises, but when I do come across something that is a surprise or different, I do get pretty excited. And that is my guest today. She is a unicorn. Why do I say that? Well, because she is a Muslim news producer. Yes, news producer for Fox News in Indianapolis. And she and I had a really wonderful and engaging conversation about what she does, how does she feel about it, and why she chose this path. She and I both discussed how having Muslim news producers is not normal because a lot of times people feel that the news is biased. And it's nice to hear from someone who is actually in the earpiece. Yes, the earpiece that anchors wear. This is one of the voices behind those earpieces. I hope you have as much fun listening to this conversation as I had having it. Today I have with me someone really special who I came to find on Facebook. We're on this uh, Facebook group of Muslim women. And I reached out and I was like, if anyone has an interesting story or something that they are proud of or just something cool, then reach out to me. I'd love to have you on my podcast. And Eamon reached out and we start talking. Today I have with me Eamon Rizvi, who is a producer yes a producer for fox news in indianapolis i have some questions and hopefully she has all the answers thank you Eamon, for being here with me thanks so much for having me all right so let's you know get right into the questions and then we can chat some more sure. at the end what exactly do you do so pretty much what a news producer does is if you're watching a newscast like morning or night or whatever anything that the anchor is saying any type of story that they're reading i've written it and i've put it in my show So I really get to decide what is going to go in that newscast, what kind of stories we're going to be covering, um, who we're going to be hearing from, and then also what the anchors are going to be saying, what the story actually is. So I get to really tailor a newscast to my audience and also get to decide what I think is important and what I think that people who are watching should know. Awesome. So you're basically that little voice in their earpieces then, right? Yes. Yeah, so part of, first part of my day is like writing or finding the stories, writing them all. And then the last part, like the last hour is talking in the little earpiece, telling them, you know, wrap it up or oh, stress or stretch <laughs> because we're running late on time or like we have some time to fill if you want to chat, things like that so that they know oh. exactly what's going on. Is it ever confusing? Because as someone who has a background in psychology, I'm, I just think that if I was to hear two things at the same time. If I was speaking and listening to someone, I would probably mess up all the time. How does that work just in that sense? The logistics. Sure. Some, so we usually have to do like a few words and that's it. If they're reading, usually if they are reading, I mean, you can't really start talking because they're not going to understand either what they're reading or they're not going to listen to you at all. So if it's like they're in the middle of a story um, or if they're talking with the other anchors and just having kind of that type of moment, um, I'll either just say rap 
just like a quick rap in their ears so that they can pick out that one word versus saying like, hey, can you rap or running kind of light on time, you know, so that they can quickly oh. understand what I'm saying instead of having this whole long winded thing because they won't understand what I'm saying if they're talking. You all see the earpieces on the news. So we're like, oh, mm -hmm. I wonder who is who the are they talking? talking to them. That's me. <laughs> so sometimes it's me. It can also be like the directors in the back who are um, making sure like all the video is showing up on time and they're, they can talk to them as well. They rarely do, but they can. So sometimes it might be them. Some Most of the time it's me. That's very cool. All right. So how do you feel about that? And it's super cool that you're a Muslim woman in media. Why did you choose this line of work? Like what made you want to become a news producer or is this one of those situations where it just kind of happened? No, actually, I kind of always planned on being in news. I was always really interested in it um, as a kid. And my dad, he would always read and watch the news. Like the news was always on WGN Chicago at nine. So we always knew exactly what was happening. And then my dad would always mm -hmm. read a newspaper. He would always read it in Urdu and have Urdu newspapers around the house. But we also had some other newspapers coming too. Um, and so when I decided that I wanted to do that, my parents were actually pretty supportive versus I think some other parents who were like, really, are you sure? Uh, so which what, is kind it of, was a passion that you kind of had because your family yeah. was a norm. To just yeah, having normal. news was always kind of just normal. Exactly. And so when I went to high school, I joined the newspaper staff. I think the one thing that really pushed me, though, too, is that I knew that I was a voice that needed to be heard in the newsroom. I mean, even the newsroom I work in now, I'm the only Muslim in the newsroom. I'm the only Muslim woman in the building, <laughs> you know, so I know that my voice is important and that some of the stories that I'm putting in the show is because I think that the audience should hear it. You know, I have a diverse background and I think that if you're in a newsroom where everyone is white or majority white and there's a few, you know, there's, I mean, it's just such a minority voice that you need to be hearing. And I've, I've, recognize that in different newsrooms, not just the one that I'm in now, but even if you're looking at other bigger scale projects, even network news, I bet you, sure, there's probably a handful of Muslim people that work there, but there even may not be. It just, we're very few and far between. And I'm glad you mentioned that because my next question is, how do you feel being a Muslim in the news media? But you're kind of like a unicorn. Very few of you exist. And we hope that more people come mm -hmm. you know, and start joining this field. And yeah, in the past, I would say seven to eight years, you're definitely seeing more journalists and people who are very active in the news media, which is great. But I still think we have a long way to go. But that's great that we have people in the front, you know, people who are newscasters in the front, but people like you who are yeah. actually kind of running the show, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have that influence. So definitely we need more unicorns like you and let's make them common. But how do you feel being a Muslim woman in news media? Well, as you said, I mean, it's a lot of time when there are Muslims in media or even just um, in news, you see them a lot on camera. They're doing more on camera work or they're an anchor. And so, I mean, it just helps with representation, letting people know that there are people who look like us who, you know, are Muslim or who are South Asian or, you know, just people of color on television, which really helps. But for me, when I was going into news, I really you know, thought about maybe I should be a reporter, maybe I should be an anchor or someone mm -hmm. on air because of the way I look, you know. Um, but I just really realized that instead of working out really hard on one story, I could work really hard on a handful of stories, you know, whether that be yeah. national, international, even just local stories and how that's going to help my audience. Um, if you do see Muslims in newsrooms or on like in television working, they're usually on camera because of the fact that they really want to help with representation. Which is needed as well, but I think that mm -hmm. your field where someone is actually able to decide 
you know, this new story does deserve the this amount of attention. Mm-hmm. Because you will see a lot, especially here in Texas, a lot of the news media is completely biased. So you won't hear a good chunk of the news that you would get um, from even CNN or national news or even a different local news station from a different state. We don't know who's in the back end, who's the one doing all that work, the same thing you're doing in Indianapolis. We don't know who that person is. And if they feel that, hey, this story deserves attention or this story does not. Yeah, so it really uh, gives the producers the opportunity to decide what news that they want in their show. I mean, but then also, um, if there is a story that I might be missing that might be, you know, big news of the day, I have an executive producer who's like, hey, can we add this story in too? It's a big deal for people here. It's a big deal just nationally. And I think we, you know, we might be missing that. Or even anchors who, you know, are going through the news or the scripts and things like that of what they're going to be reading. They'll go through and say, hey, I think we're missing this story. Maybe we should add it. You know, it's important to have this in every hour, you know, because I work in morning news. So we're on the air from 4 to 10. So if you're on at 4 a.m. and something running, you know, at 4 a.m., a lot of people may not be seeing it. So maybe we should have this also run at like 8 a.m. when more people are awake and watching. 4 a.m. When does your day start then? So the anchors, morning anchors, they, they come in around 3 because they're they're on the air at 4. So they're reading through scripts or, or they're getting ready and having to do their makeup. <laughs> but, for example, if, if a producer is doing a 4 a.m. newscast, that means they're coming into the newsroom around 9 p.m. So really you're, what you're seeing at 4 a.m. is something that was picked out around 9, 10, 11 p.m. Wow. Well, we'll ask more on this a little bit further. Yeah, we but can go on. The, yeah, we'll come back to this because that's that's <laughs> pretty important because I'm a night owl by nature mm-hmm. and you want to combat biases that people may have. Mm-hmm. So have you ever had to field biases throughout your career based on your identity, either as a woman or as a Muslim? Um, I feel like a lot of it has to be, it's me correcting a lot of people <laughs> more than anything. Um, I remember what my first job when I got hired, it was pro- it was in December is when I started my, my first job. And um, it was around Christmas time. I'd been there for a few weeks and they were thinking about doing, you know, some holiday stories and, and they're like, oh, how can we involve, you know, other, other faiths, right? So how do you make Christmas palatable for people who don't celebrate it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it was uh, some of the ideas were coming like, hey, so what are, you know, something that I've noticed or other people are like, hey, I don't celebrate Christmas. I'll cover that shift. Like you go visit with your family and whenever I have a holiday off, you know, people will cover for me. Yeah, And so, you know, that happens. That was a story idea. And another one that came up was like, oh, yeah, like, is it Ramadan happening soon? Isn't that coming up? And, I, and I'd be like, no, Ramadan is like in May. I thought it was around Christmas. And I'm like, no, about 10 years ago. But yeah. Ramadan moves up 10 days every year. And I'm like, that's the lunar calendar. It, like the date changed. And they're like, what? The date changed? I'm like, it changes every year. It didn't just decide. We didn't vote and decide to change Ramadan to summer. It changes every year. I was like, so this year it's in July, but you know, next year it'll be 10 days sooner. So it might be in June. (laughs) I mean, the biases that I like face are a lot of it's just kind of under misunderstanding of like, oh, so that's what happens. Do you remember when we almost went to a nuclear war with Iran relatively recently? (laughs) So when Ghassan Soleimani was killed, right? So they did his funeral so fast after his death. And so I had to explain to the newsroom, like, oh, there's a reason we do that because Muslim people bury their dead, like, immediately, like, before the next, you know, like, Zohar or Asr prayer, you know? <laughs> and they're like, oh, wow. And like, there's yes. no pomp to it. Our funerals, and 
this was the way funerals have been done for centuries, but you know, many cultures yeah. have changed them over time. And I feel like there's also marketing in, involved in that as well. But yes. that's, that's true. Like when our funerals happen, they're so pompous that people are like, wait, wait, what, what? So when they saw the, uh, the Soleimani funeral happening, literally two days after not even was it like not yeah it may have been two days and they're like oh that's so quick i'm like actually it should have happened sooner i'm sure there was yeah. probably some sort of backup or yeah. like planning purposes that made it go a day later you're, you're like the the little like uh, encyclopedia muslim oh i know none of us signed up for this you know we just end up being this representation of our culture and our heritage and our religion automatically and this i say many times amen is that sometimes we are the only muslims a person might know so in your circle, mm -hmm. of you might be the only one that someone feels, you know, that they can reach out to and ask questions. Right. So like, you can't be a jerk either. That's the yes. thing. <laughs> you have to be nice to everyone because you're the Muslim. And if someone is like, oh, that girl's a jerk. I hate her. It's, yeah, she's yeah. the Muslim jerk that we hate. <laughs> it, it is. And a lot of people are feeling this. And, and if you are a jerk, then you've lost an opportunity. Oh, totally. Absolutely. You've really ruined it for everyone else. <laughs> yes. Yes, and then the biases continue. And that could be a whole other topic because that, that happens way too many times. Back to you. So what are some of the challenges you face as a Muslim woman in the news media? Have you ever faced anything like that or has it kind of been smooth sailing? Um, thankfully, I feel like I haven't faced too many. But also, I mean, I should preface that I don't wear a hijab. So I, that's not a very vis visual indicator of like what religion I practice mm -hmm. versus a lot of people. I feel like even growing up, just assumed because we were darker skinned and we were South Asian that we had to be Hindu. Always. Everyone always yeah. just assumed we were Indian and we were Hindu. I'm like, no, we're, we're Pakistani and we're Muslim. But also there are Indians who are also Muslim. So like, I think people just like to put everyone into a box. And if, if yes. your skin tone makes sense to put you in this box, that's where you belong. Definitely. People like putting people in boxes and being able to understand that. But it's so hard. I mean, it's also hard for people to think like, oh, one of the biggest Muslim nations is Indonesia. Like, yes, <laughs> that is a, that's one of the biggest Muslim majority countries in the world, you know. So with the advent of social yes. media and how news goes viral, even before you hear it on the actual news station, does this affect your job? Um, absolutely. I feel like in the past, before social media, you could rely on people to come to you for the news. You know, they want to know what happened in the day while they were at work or while, you know, you're at school. Everyone would always wrap their day up with like a nightly newscast, right? Yes. Or get morning and like ready in the morning and you, they'd have it playing in the background, which now we really have to earn our viewers. We have to make, draw people in to what we're doing versus, you know, before it was kind of a given. Now we really have to fight for viewers to have them come watch when in a world where news goes viral so fast and they can get news in so many different places. Um, we really have to cater something that that doesn't offer. And so we really like to dig in deeper to other, you know, stories that are happening either nationally or locally, just so that they get an understanding of what's happening around them. Cool. No. And then, okay, back to the social media idea, you see mm -hmm. how news gets passed around super fast and mm -hmm. sometimes it's news that hasn't been either verified or it's changing it's so quick that people are having trouble finding who do you believe do you believe the national news do you believe the local news do you believe the you know person tweeting about it right now or do you believe the social media post who do you believe i mean it depends on what kind of news it is and where it's coming from really because if there's a story happening I know my news, my news station personally, we have to make sure it's 100% verified, confirmed, all that information. You know, if it's local and we're talking about, I don't know, about um, 
let's say like a car accident and we have to find out like, oh, it sounds like a really bad crash. And we see that our, on our traffic cameras that um, like the Department of um, Transportation has, we see like there's a lot of police here and it looks like a really bad crash. Mm -hmm. Well, we hear that it might be fatal or something like that. So we have to make sure that we're confirming 100% hearing it from police or from somebody of authority saying that, like, yeah, this is like a deadly crash. Somebody has passed away before we can even say anything about it being fatal, about it being deadly, before we even mention it. Yeah. Um, we can mention it on the air and say, hey, like there's a traffic incident, um, like a really bad crash over here, a lot of police, all the lanes are blocked. We're working to find out information on if, you know, the condition of anybody inside or whatever happened. We're trying to find out, you know, stay with us. Yeah. We're, get, we're working on getting more information, you know. Yeah. So if it's something like that, we have to confirm a hundred percent with things that are happening, you know, locally with the people in charge here. But if it's something national that's happening, we really have to depend on who we're affiliated with. And so because I'm a Fox station, we can verify things if like, okay, Fox is saying that President Trump is going to this country tomorrow. All right, Fox is saying it, we can probably use it. It's probably almost, it's a hundred percent confirmed if like our, if Fox is saying it, like the present schedule is relatively easy to confirm because they, they let it out and release it easily. Um, so that's a more of something easier we can confirm. And But we're also affiliates with CNN, so we can use things that CNN also confirm. Um, it just depends yeah. on who's saying it and what exactly the story is. But if it's really touchy as well and it's hard to confirm, we can say like, hey, we're seeing reports of this. We're working to see if this is true or not. Stay with us. <laughs> and I'm going to jump around my questions a bit. But because mm -hmm. of this, do you feel the news is affected by ratings? Do you feel news is becoming sensationalized here? I could definitely see network news definitely being a, a hub of kind of sensationalism mm -hmm. because they can be, you know, they have the opportunity to make things, you know, have more dramatic music and have more like breaking news alert. You know what I mean? It's like not everything is breaking news. That story that may be breaking news or labeled as that could have been happening yesterday, you know, exactly. this is more like an update. So it, we like, I feel like local stations kind of like to tone down <laughs> the breaking news. I mean, if something is breaking, then we, we definitely hit it hard to label it as breaking. We say it's breaking. We continue, you know, as much as we can up until the fact a few hours pass and we're like, all right, we're now understanding what's happening. It's probably no longer breaking. It's probably just developing now. <laughs> National news can be definitely a little bit more sensationalized, also depending on the station itself or the network itself. They kind of take leeway either way. Makes sense. Um, and then, again, with this whole idea of breaking news happening at any hour of the day, how do you keep a balance between personal and professional life? Because you had mentioned earlier how you start your day sometimes 9 p.m., 4 a.m., and all these godforsaken hours that I I definitely feel like I have to catch up with the news like every day. I have to at least have a tiny little 10, 15 minutes on when I'm trying to check up on what's happening throughout the day um, just so I keep up with my job so that when I'm going into work, I'm not completely lost or I'm not like, oh, this happened? Really? What was I doing? Oh, I was sleeping because I sleep during the day and I work at night. So it's I feel like I always have to kind of get a little bit of a catch up and check on what are the major headlines. And so I check multiple websites and I check, you know, multiple things. Like I'll check my Facebook feed to see what people are sharing. And then I'll check, you know, national websites. I'll check CNN. I'll check Fox. I'll check, you know, a whole list, Washington Post, you know, New York Times, seeing kind of exactly what are their headlines and what they're kind of covering and then gives me a, an understanding of what's, what, what I'm going into. 
So two shows that I have seen, um, and they're about the news, is one of them was HBO's Newsroom, which was a couple of years ago. That I think they had two or three seasons. Mm-hmm. And this past year, Apple TV's The Morning Show. Besides obvious, obvious creative licenses, do these shows portray what happens in real life as close to accurate as possible? Because I know it'll never be 100% accurate. Yeah, so I have seen The Newsroom, and I remember watching that even before I went into news, and it was seems really exciting and very yes <laughs> very um i mean there's just a lot of stuff going on right um so i feel like that was kind of set more in like a either a national like a national network setting or even just it was definitely like a bigger um operation than i think most news stations are so maybe that was a little bit that was a little more sensationalized but it could be really similar to what like a network news station and how they operate and kind of the impact that they have but Locally, if you think about it, like a lot of people watch local because they like seeing what's happening in their community with them. And then they also like listening to stories with people who live in their community. You know, the people who are talking to you on air, they're from here. They live here. Their school, their kids go to school with your, you know, with your kids. You'll see them at the grocery store or, you know, so you'll see them. It's the, it's almost like little local celebrities and people really, you know, cling on to that they see that and they're like oh this person you know he's from here or he's lived here for 25 years he's not going to lie to me you know and and tell me the news that isn't correct or they're not going to tell me the weather that isn't correct you know i think especially with weather people feel very like attached to the weather people of Mm -hmm. course same thing you just said that they see people and they'll see towns and businesses and things that they will see on their you know daily commute or when they go shopping and they feel a more, I guess, a personal collection, connection with local news mm-hmm. versus, I mean, like I admire Anderson Cooper. I think he's awesome, but he's like up there somewhere in, you know. The- yeah, he's, you know, he's almost untouchable, yeah. right? He seems like this, like, oh, I can't ever, like, I will I'll probably never meet him versus my local news, you know, anchor. I'll probably meet her yeah. <laughs> somewhere someday, you know, she's probably going to be at the grocery store when I'm there or, you know, it's just it, things happen like this, especially with meteorologists. I feel like people have such a big connection because the main the main driver for local news, why people turn on the TV most of the time, the biggest percent is because of meteorologists, because of the weather. People want to know what's happening, what their weather is going to be like, especially if it's like a big snowstorm or a tornado or whatever, you know, people care about that and so that's like especially in the morning if people are getting their kids ready for school like do i need a jacket do i need a raincoat what's it going to look like and so people are watching for meteorologists a very big percentage of time and then getting news is kind of like an extra bonus yeah that's true and that's that that's exactly how it works and then here's a fun question for you is there ever a day where no news happens is there such a thing Right. Some days are such slow news days and you're like, okay, I have an hour to fill. I'm going to be on the air for an hour. Part of that's going to be weather. Part of it's going to be commercial breaks. And apparently part of it's going to be nothing because I don't know what to put in my show (laughs) because there's nothing happening. Or especially um, in terms of if one big thing is happening. Like, um, so like when Kobe Bryant and his daughter died and that terrible crash, that was such a big chunk of like what was getting covered that a lot of other things just kind of either weren't getting covered or there's a lot wasn't happening you know so okay I have one story about you know Colby Bryant and his daughter and kind of like updates with that but what else am I going to film my show with because there's not a lot of other things happening so you kind of really have to search you know like what's happening nationally internationally what's happening locally and then also depending on if it's a local station they 
depending on who you're owned by, you can get a lot of content from sister stations and other places like, oh, our station in Tallahassee has a story on this that might be really interesting for people here. The station um, in LA has this story that I think people really like. Across America, if you're a Fox station, I can probably use information or stories from another Fox station. Or if I'm, you know, we have a CBS station here and that we also were sister stations with that we share content too. So it just depends on getting content doesn't see is isn't impossible definitely but sometimes it's you can fill your show up a lot faster than other days <laughs> depending on what's happening let's say there is a slow mm-hmm. news day and then currently with the coronavirus pandemic do you think the media has a hand in creating the panic we are witnessing daily because it's all we're talking i mean if you open up facebook twitter instagram Snapchat, mm-hmm. tiktok you know any tv station it's all about coronavirus but it's yes. the only thing people are really, the memes that are coming out mm-hmm. of it, the funny ones, the serious ones, the images. And it's like, wow. But do you think the news media is having a hand in creating the panic, the toilet paper roll setting, selling out and lines at Costco and all mm-hmm. that stuff? So I'm the confusion that I have is, I mean, in the news, we're just telling you to wash your hands and to be careful. And I don't know how that equates to buying toilet paper. I don't understand I how us telling you like, all right, this is here. And it could be dangerous. Make sure you're safe and healthy and make sure you're staying at home and staying away from, you know, the elderly or the people who are, you know, you know, who have weak immune systems. How does that equate to, you know, buy a lot of toilet paper, buy everything in bulk and make sure that no one has anything and that there's really long lines everywhere. So I would say like the panic, I could see people getting panicked about what's happening because it could, I mean, obviously it's really scary to see the numbers of people who are dying and the the fact that there are young people who have no, you know, no other illnesses that are having really serious complications. So it's definitely, you know, really scary to see, of course. But on the other hand, it's, I feel like, I mean, at my own station, we're telling people to be safe and here are some things you can do to stay safe and to stay clean. And here's, you know, tips for that. But I, we even at my station are baffled. We're like, how does, how does what we're telling you equate to buying everything everywhere? <laughs> Where now grocery stores literally have signs saying like, um, only take two of this product because we want to make sure that we're feeding everyone's families, <laughs> not just yours, that everyone has, you know, milk and everyone has canned goods and everyone has, you know, this many products. No, I agree with you. And then do you, do, and this is a question I just thought of right now. Do you ever feel, feel that people blame the newscasters and the news when let's say the weather isn't right or if you know, mm-hmm. even this whole uh, toilet paper crisis and they're like well the news told us and you're like no we no one ever said and I, you know what you're right i've never heard anyone say that buy toilet paper everyone just is doing that but do they feel people yeah no one said to buy toilet paper everything's always blamed on the newscasters or reporters people who are saying you know verb like their faces mm-hmm. on there but a lot of times it could be a pro, like a producer could have messed up it could have been a writer who put in the wrong information it could have been a, like a lot of other people but people will always email or like send a message to the anchor and say hey this isn't right or hey why did you get this wrong and blah blah mm-hmm. blah you know so it's, that's why it's really important to make sure everything we're putting on the air is correct it's, sometimes it's not better to be like first and, oh, we're, we brought you this story first. And, hey, this is breaking news and we're bringing it to you first. We want to make sure everything's correct and confirmed and that we're not accidentally telling people fake news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because especially now more than ever, people are very distrusting yeah. of the news. And so we want to make sure we're doing our best and that we're making sure that everything that we're putting on the air is correct and verified. 
And also the informations are correct and the graphics all are spelled correct and everything is good. I mean, especially when it comes to weather, because weather can be so fickle and a lot of things, you know, together can build like a tornado, for example, a lot of things have to happen for a tornado to actually yes. happen. And so meteorologists are, can say like, hey, here are the four things that need to happen for a tornado to happen. And right now in this county, all four are happening. So we can say most likely a tornado will happen. If it doesn't, that it's fine. You know, sometimes one of the things is like won't work or won't actually happen, which is a good thing, but just be prepared. You know, all of these four things are happening. It's really scary. So everyone bunker down or hunker down or, you know, I feel like a lot of times people get really upset when we cut into programming or like, hey, I was watching that show and now your meteorologist is on and he's taking up all the time and my show's not going to be on, you know? Oh, yeah. Sorry, we're busy saving your life or saving your neighbor's life or saving people in your community, right? Just because there isn't a tornado in your backyard doesn't mean it has a happening in the county next exactly. door, you know? Exactly. It's very interesting in the way you're telling this back end story of the the news and how it works and how you have to kind of be prepared at all times with all the news that's happening anywhere and kind of present it to your community in a way that it is still interesting to them and also relevant to mm -hmm. them. As along with also informing them of things that normally they might not even reach out to look at because it's just not in their stratosphere. Yeah, that's uh, a lot of times it's like, okay, how can I, like, what is my, what does the average viewer here need to know? Like, here are the top headlines. I'm like, great. Now, what are some stories that they would find interesting that they will not find or will not see? in their everyday life. Okay, let's add a few of those. And then also, maybe they're going to, you know, start losing um, interest. So what are some stories that we can add some interest that are really fun that the anchors can have fun with, that they'll have fun with, you know, what's a funny story, like a, a new study that's coming out that's really funny, that the anchors can have fun with, or what is, can we find some video that's really interesting that shows, you know, some really cool stuff? Yeah, cool. Thank you so much, Eamon. One final question for you. What advice would you give to someone wanting to go into the field of news media and production? And that could be the same thing as you do or someone who wants to become a news anchor or a journalist or investigative journalist or whatever. What is advice you would give them, especially to uh, Muslims? I would say, I mean, just in general, you have to write well. And you have to write concise and you have to write clear. So I would say, I mean, definitely practice your writing because that's going to take you far in anywhere you want to go in news. You have to write well, you have to write concise, and you have to try to get, I mean, if you're thinking of news, thing, people have short attention spans, so you have to write a good lead sentence and get the information in like 25 mm -hmm. seconds. And so trying to get all of that, one story or something, you know, in 25 seconds or maybe 45 at the most, that's going to be your biggest um biggest help. And so definitely you want to be a strong writer because being a Muslim isn't going to get you super, I mean, it's not going to get you super far. I don't think people see me as an asset automatically. They realize I'm an asset later because of what I can offer, but being a minority doesn't seem like an asset to a lot exactly. of people. I mean, it's just something that people don't even think about. The people who are hiring you aren't going to look like you, you know? And so you have to first get your foot in the door with your skills, but then also show them what you have to offer. So once again, everyone, that was my conversation with Eamon Rizvi, a news producer for Fox News out in Indianapolis. And it was enlightening to be able to talk to someone who is on the front lines of getting information out there to the public. And I wish her well, and that she may get all the goals that she aspires to. But thank you for being out there. 
and being an inspiration to so many people who are considering becoming journalists, news anchors, and news producers. They will always look up to you and see someone who looks like them, thinks like them, is from the same background, and holds the same values. And thank you everyone for listening to Musings of Modern Muslims. Until next time, take care. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at M3Freeni. That's M3FREENI. Email us at M3Freeni at gmail.com.